0: Public sector workers in Quebec start voting on a tentative deal with the province. Toronto Police Chief identifies the flag that led to terror charges last week. The national crisis of loneliness affecting older Canadians is serious and Cubans face a five-fold jump in fuel prices amid ongoing economic crisis and 30% inflation. Good morning. It's Monday, January 15th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. We start this morning in Quebec, where 420,000 unionized public sector workers in the Common Front are now voting on the tentative deal reached at the end of 2023 with the Quebec government. An unbylined story from the Canadian press reports that education and healthcare workers from four major unions will have until February 19th to vote. The agreement, in principle, includes at least 17.4% in pay raises over five years and inflation protection for the final three years of the deal. The province is still negotiating with the Fédération Interprofessionnelle de la Santé, or the FIC, the Nurses Union. They have 80,000 members, and they said that they would not comment publicly until today in order to focus on negotiations. And also, this weekend, news broke about what the teachers in Quebec won in their four-week strike That strike was coordinated by the Federation Autonome d'Education. Erica Morris at the CBC is reporting that teachers won some money to reduce class sizes, although that was just 33 million, so I don't know, maybe it'll be a wedge that will grow larger. But they also won 4,000 new classroom aids and teacher bonuses for those where a majority of their classes are comprised of students with intervention plans. They also got promises for lunchtime and recess supervision to be limited, Five hours of prep time per week that will be paid, and the promise to hire 5,000 more teachers. As for wages, they'll get 17.4 percent over five years. Some teachers are not happy with this, which isn't too surprising, but it's also the same increase that has been given to workers in the Franc commune, so it's hard to imagine they would have managed to squeeze even more from the government if that's what they were willing to give so many other public sector workers who were also on strike. Next, after initially refusing to identify the flag that was held at a demonstration last week that led to charges being laid to a man for public incitement of hatred, we now can say what the flag was. Toronto Police Chief said that the flag belonged to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. CBC's Sarah Jabakanji reports that Public Safety Canada lists both the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine and the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine General Command as, quote, terrorist entities, unquote. The federal website reads this. The goals of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, or the PFLP, are the destruction of the State of Israel and the establishment of a communist government in Palestine, unquote. The piece references a comment made by Police Chief Myron Demkew, who says this, quote, The concern we have, and what we're alleging, is that this individual displayed that flag and it constitutes evidence of an offense of public incitement of hatred under the criminal code, unquote. Man, incitement of, of what? Like at the extreme opposing the existence of Israel? Like people have the right to oppose the existence of countries if they want. Buddy, just wait till you hear how many people here oppose the existence of Canada. Now, DemQ called the charge, quote-unquote, unprecedented, noting the, quote, very high threshold, unquote, to charge anyone with hate propaganda offenses. Jabba Kanji reports that the about face came after DemQ refused to say what the flag depicted and which group it was associated with at the Thursday police board meeting. Quote, what I'm very conscious of is not inadvertently doing anything in any way to promote or otherwise send a message that these kinds of images are trying to send. He told Metro Morning on Friday. He said, I do not want to show the imagery of the flag at all under any circumstances. I'll take steps not to do that. My God, we're talking about a political flag here. This is, I mean, more about anti-communism than anything else. But imagine, like, a serious argument that says that just saying what the flag was was tantamount to expressing hatred. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. The story quotes Daniel Majid, who's the president of the Arab-Canadian Lawyers Association, and... She argued that police, quote unquote, tactics and messaging are reinforcing anti-Palestinian racism and creating a public perception that Palestinians and Arabs are a threat to public safety. This is what is quoted in the piece, quote, as police themselves have noted, the numerous large scale protests in support of Palestinians have passed peacefully and without incident. Yet police are increasingly taking a heavy handed approach towards anti-genocide protesters and criminalizing Palestinian freedom of expression and assembly, unquote. Majid added that a long-standing distrust of police and authorities by Palestinians, Arabs, and Muslims has resulted in the underreporting of hate crimes. Now, in a separate story, also for CBC, reporter Mark Gollum wrote this, quote, The charge of public incitement of hatred against the Toronto man, quote, could be difficult to prosecute and highlights the challenges of defining hate crimes, some experts say, unquote. He talks to Barbara Perry, who's the director of the Centre on Hate, Bias, and Extremism at Ontario Tech University. Quote, prosecution of the man police alleged waved a flag associated with PFLP while marching through the city's downtown last Sunday will be a real uphill battle. The standard has been set so high for prosecution of what we call propaganda offenses, it's hard to say if a symbol in and of itself is enough to demonstrate incitement to hatred. There have been a couple of other cases looking at things like cross burnings and waving Confederate flags, that sort of thing, and they haven't been very successful. As well, Perry noted the prosecution of the Toronto man would be challenging because Canada doesn't have legislation banning the glorification of terrorism like some European countries. It isn't surprising that the police didn't say what the flag was, instead letting us all assume it was something like ISIS or there's something that called for the death of people. But no, it's the flag of a communist secular organization that fights for free Palestine through violence. If we're going to argue that the PFLP is a terrorist group because members of the group have killed civilians before, then is it not also legitimate to argue by that very same logic that Israel is a terrorist state, albeit one which uses far more sophisticated and deadly weapons, one with a body count that is astronomically high right now, and some of those weapons are made right here in Canada. When was the last time someone was arrested for waving an Israeli flag by this very same logic? Now, on to the national crisis of loneliness, particularly affecting older Canadians. And just a heads up, this segment talks about suicide. Jessica Singer, in a long-form piece for CBC News, looks at the growing phenomenon and profiles a 79-year-old man in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. She writes this, quote, Ron Sims visits his neighborhood supermarket once a day, every day, but not always to buy food. His daily trip to the grocery store is one of the few times he gets to interact with other people. He tries socializing with patrons or cashiers, sparking up a conversation, or giving them a smile. It doesn't matter that they're strangers. Just being near them can be enough to temporarily quell his sadness. Sims is lonely, and the loneliness causes depression. He says this, quote, You have no ambition to do anything. You can feel sorry for yourself. Time drags. You wonder how you're going to get through the day, unquote. For Sims... Singer writes, Memories of Christmas past are the hardest. One year he says he didn't have it in him to put up a tree or other decorations. He was spending the holidays at home by himself without a single card or phone call to keep him company. While I was reading this, I was thinking of someone who I often see at a fast food restaurant. He works there and we always talk. He was telling me this year that for various reasons he didn't get to spend Christmas with family, reasons including weather problems, illnesses, people being away, and so on. And he said to me, you know, I think back to the Christmases of my childhood, and I wonder what happened. They used to be so full of people. And I said, yeah, we had Christmases like that as well. And this year, we also had a small Christmas too, just one guest, and someone who's separated from his own family right now because of war. It was joyous to be together, but it was lonely as well. There's no question that this is a crisis, and it's caused by economic forces that force us apart. Now, the article doesn't really get into these economic forces, but it does go on to explain how deadly loneliness really can be for us and how terrible it is for our health. The World Health Organization, for example, considers loneliness to be a global health concern. Chris Micton, a technical officer in the WHO's Department of Social Determinants, says that loneliness can increase the risk of stroke and cardiovascular disease by about 30%. It also increases the risk of anxiety, depression, and dementia by up to 15% in older people. And overall, it increases the risk of early death by anywhere between 14 and 30%, and its effect on physical health are often compared to things like smoking, excessive drinking, and air pollution. What's also clear, says Micton, is that loneliness affects people of all age groups, not just seniors. But what can make loneliness so debilitating for seniors in particular is the longer they live, the more losses that they have to experience in life, which can lead to prolonged periods of isolation. There's a lot that needs to be done in related to loneliness by politicians. But one of the things that is really challenging is the impacts on our social relations are everywhere in society. And unfortunately, we're not going towards a place where people are coming together more. We're actually being separated more for separations by technological advances, by where we live, by the cost of living. All of these things are connected. And it's going to take a massive upheaval in how we understand our own personal relationships for anything to start getting better. And finally, fuel prices in Cuba are set to jump fivefold amid ongoing economic crises and 30 percent inflation. CBC's Jeff Nixon reports that, quote, the Cuban government is set to raise fuel prices fivefold at the start of next month. Havana says the move is a must as it seeks funds to trim its deficit spending and buy needed goods from abroad, unquote. Economy Minister Alejandro Gil said that the inflation could rise to 30% by the end of the year. The increased cost of fuel will soon exceed the average monthly state salary. Nixon acknowledges that, quote, This has been exacerbated by the decades-long U.S. trade embargo, which outlaws American companies from doing business with Cuban interests and prohibits most Americans from traveling to Cuba. The sale of fuel is one avenue for the government to collect that foreign currency, and, That is needed to be able to do international trade, whether from tourists, private businesses, or Cubans with access to U.S. dollars via remittances from relatives abroad, unquote. To that end, the government is opening more than two dozen fuel service stations that will only accept U.S. dollars for fuel. Those are your headlines for Monday, January 15th. I'm Nora. Today's episode had production assistance from Mary Newman. You are listening to this podcast at sanianora.com, on the Real News Network podcast feed, and anywhere you get your podcasts. I hope you have a wonderful Monday. I hope you have a wonderful week. My gosh, I'm excited for this week. Can't wait to get to work, honestly. (laughs) I'll talk to you tomorrow.